In this series on deception and mixture, I'm dealing a lot with the end times and mixing that in. Now I'm going to give just a quick recap and then I'm going to get into some things tonight. The main thing that concerns me, and I'll deal with it later in this sermon, is the counterfeit Christianity and people that say they're Christians but they really don't know the Lord, they've never been born again. That is what concerns me more than anything else. Because there's a lot of deception right now about people believing that they're Christian because they went to church or because they've said a prayer one time or they just any, many, many, mo they pick that religion, that's my religion. That's not going to get you into heaven. It's being born again. It's being right with God. It's repenting of your sin. It's being real. Okay, And that, that's what concerns me because there's a rising tide of that deception. But let me go ahead and go through this. Number one, I want to give you kind of an in, uh, a recap, if you will. But we've got to make sure that we're not tossed to and fro as spiritual children. In Ephesians 4.14, it talks about that the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers are there to equip the saints so that they're not tossed to and fro. And I hope people really hear me in this, and I hope that you hear my heart about this, because as I'm coming, as I'm dealing with this stuff, I'm coming from an angle to where hopefully people can hear a pastor's heart and can hear the love in this and not get offended and, and get an attitude problem about this, but not everything out there is of God. And that's just the way it is. And I'm not saying that to be critical. I'm saying that because it's the truth. And as I go through this, you're going to see some, some things that maybe will be eye-opening to you to maybe help you understand why I'm being so adamant about that. Because there's, there's circles out there, whether it be in a prophetic or a revival, um, different circles out there of people that I believe they love the Lord, but there's a deception there. And even though they have some things that are of God, they've allowed some things that are not of God, and there's a mixture. And as the time goes on, if they don't discern that and they don't deal with that, they're liable to find themselves falling into alignment with some things that have to do with the false prophet and the Antichrist, as the Bible says, and will be a part of a falling away. Okay, And, and hopefully people can hear the love in that and can hear my heart and my concern. Um, but anyway... Number one is don't be tossed to and fro as spiritual children. You have to, and judge what I'm telling you for yourself, you have to know the Word of God for yourself. Okay, you can't rely on somebody else to know it for you. You're going to have to develop a prayer life for yourself. And you're going to have to get to know the Holy Spirit. Because if you know the Holy Spirit and you know His presence, you're going to know when something is not right. And those that rely on experience over the Word of God are the ones that are most prone for deception. Even though some of these that are very scholarly out there, they're very astute, they, they really study the Word, they're diligent, they may be spiritually dry in some areas, and that's not good, they need to get in revival, but they're less prone for deception. I'm just telling you. They're less prone for deception because they know the word and they know that everything has to come under the authority of the word. 
And I really have felt like as I've been preaching this, I'm, I'm coming against some literal uh, spirits. I feel it. I feel a resistance as I've been preaching this from day one. So, and that's a good sign. Amen? So those that rely on experience, and they won't put that experience under the authority of the word, they want to say, well, that experience was of God, even though it's contrary to the word, then they're going to no doubt end up being deceived in one way or another. Does everybody understand that? Okay. And that is happening right now in parts of the body of Christ, as I'm preaching tonight. They've had experiences that are not of God. They've had visitations from beings that are not of God. They've heard things that are not of God. And they're not rightly discerning it. And there's a mixture and a deception. And it won't be here because everything is going to be under the authority of God's word. Okay? All right. I talked about the coming blood moons. And it's. And I'm just recapping. I'm going to dive into the sermon in just a moment. Um, now I talked about how the Bible predicted in Joel thousands of years ago that before the Lord's coming, he would turn the moon to blood and the sun would be darkened. And it has to do with um, solar and lunar eclipses. And I dealt with that. And whenever there's been four blood moons that have fallen on feast days historically, the last three have been very significant for Israel. And that's going to happen in 2014 and 15. These blood moons have, have started out in tragedy for Israel, but they've ended up in triumph. Okay? It started out looking really bad for Israel, but it turned out really good for Israel. And I, I expect, because of the historic precedent, that that's going to be something similar uh, that we're going to see as well. Also, I talked about the rapture of the bride. And it concerns me, the anti-rapture attitude that's out there with some. Um, I gave you 12 points out of the Bible, going from Genesis to Revelation, proving the rapture to be true. Um, I talked about being ready for Christ's coming. Jesus himself taught us that in the days coming, he said before he comes... It would be like it was in the days of Noah and Lot. The days of Noah and the days of Lot were extremely evil, but God both times delivered the righteous out before his wrath came down. Amen? So number one, to be ready for the rapture is to be righteous before the Lord. Like Noah and Lot, they they were in a very, very wicked generation, but they were righteous. And because they were righteous, not because they called themselves God's people, not because they went to church and then lived a hypocritical life. No, they really were righteous in God's sight. And because of that, when the wrath of God came down, God delivered them out and spared them. Also, Enoch was raptured, and he was raptured because he walked with God. He had an awesome prayer life. And Elijah was a man of extra oil, a man of the Spirit. And, of course, he was raptured out of here as well. And did you know during the first three and a half years of the tribulation that there's going to be two prophets that are going to be in Jerusalem? I hope that even if we're at the marriage supper of the Lamb and all that, I believe we will be those that are truly right with God. But I hope that we can see that somehow. Because that's going to be amazing. And um, many people believe it will be Moses and Elijah, which it might be. And then some people believe it will be Enoch and Elijah. I don't know which two. I don't really care. I just think it's cool that there's going to be two. 
and fire is going to come out of their mouth. It's going to be amazing. All right, but what a sign and a wonder to, to Israel. You got to understand God's heart for the lost. Even though the raptures happen and, and the church, the, the, body, the bride of Christ is removed and things are going to get very dark, even though that's the case, God still loves people so much that he's going to raise up, the Bible says, 144,000 Jewish evangelists. And these are going to be powerful evangelists, okay, like Philip, like Paul. And they're going to be unleashed during the first three and a half years of the tribulation time, and they're going to be preaching the gospel. Not only that, but there's going to be those two witnesses in Jerusalem preaching the gospel. And then the book of Revelation says there will be angels flying overhead that will be preaching the gospel. Now, some people say, well, maybe that's satellites and it's the, you know, the airwaves and the gospel going out over the airwaves. And that may be true. But let me just ask this question, though. When Jesus came the first time, angels preceded his coming, remember? And they declared, unto you this day there's a Savior born in Bethlehem. So could it be that before the Lord's second glorious coming, that there's going to be literally angels flying overhead preaching the gospel? But the, my point is, the Lord loves people so much that even in that darkness, he's crying out to people to be saved. He's willing to, to raise up 144,000 people, put two prophets in Jerusalem, send angels overhead shouting at people, you know? I think that he loves them and he's trying to get them saved if people will listen. All right, so that's just a recap on some things we've covered. Let me go ahead and, and jump into this sermon. I'm going to deal with the Antichrist and the coming globalization. This is going to be eye-opening to a lot of people, I believe. But let me, let me start out with this. Matthew 24, 24, Jesus was teaching on the end times, and he said, For false messiahs and false prophets will appear. And I find it interesting that when the warnings about the end times come, you never hear, and I'm not saying there's not false pastors, but you never hear false pastors. You never hear false evangelists. I'm not saying that there's not false stuff out there, but you always hear over and over and over and over false prophets and false teachers. It, am I not telling the truth? So you need to weigh what the prophets are saying. The Bible says to judge prophecy. You need to weigh what they're saying. Some people are very gullible and naive about this. They, they just swallow everything. Let me tell you, if it's not lining up with the word, don't accept it. I don't care who it comes from. Because there's some people that maybe they started out good, but now they're way off. Another thing is false teachers. Be like the Bereans. Remember me talking about this? That you, with a good spirit about you, humble, teachable, but that you're making sure what is being preached is lining up with the word. And I'm going to give you an example here in a minute with these Marian apparitions that I think you'll see where I've been coming from. All right, so Jesus said there will be false messiahs. You've seen it in your lifetime with some weirdo was saying, I am Jesus Christ. Follow me, you know. There's going to be false prophets. They will appear. That's in your lifetime. This is predicting in the last days they would be false prophets. That means these are people that, that people think are prophets, but they're not true. Okay? They can perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Isn't that interesting? So did you know false prophets can perform signs and wonders? Do you remember when Moses was here? And he stood before Pharaoh, and he threw down his staff, and it became a snake. Do you remember that Pharaoh's sorcerers did the same thing? 
So there is a counterfeit. There is a false. Revelation 13, 14 says, And he, the false prophet, deceives those who dwell on the earth because of what? The signs which it was given him to perform in the presence of the beast, the Antichrist. Telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast, the Antichrist. We had a wound of the sword came back to life. It's like a counterfeit death resurrection. But nonetheless, the point is, there's going to be a religious figure, a Pope-like figure, that will emerge in these last days, whether it's the Pope or some other religious figure, you know, we can only speculate, but some kind of a figure will emerge that will have the world in front of him. He's going to have a platform to the world, and he's going to be able to perform signs and wonders publicly. And he goes on to say in this, you can read it for yourself, even calling down fire from heaven in full view of everybody. So I guess that would be like lightning striking the earth. Let me give you a third witness. In the mouth of two or three witnesses. Second Thessalonians 2.8 Paul said, Then that lawless one, speaking the Antichrist, will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth, and bring to an end by the appearing of his coming. That's his glorious coming. That is the one who is coming in accord with the activity of Satan. Now this is the Antichrist, the false prophet. What does it say? With all power and signs and false wonders and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false in order that they may be judged because they did not believe the truth but they took pleasure in wickedness. How many people out there have heard the gospel? They've heard the truth. They've heard preachers. They've heard it on television. They've heard it on the radio. They've had people witness to them. They've got family members preaching to them. Over and over and over and over. They don't want to hear it. God says, fine. You don't want it. You'll be given over to what you do want. But my point in those three scriptures is that in these last days that we're living right now, that there's going to be people that will come across that they are of the Lord, that they are Christian, and they will deceive many people performing signs and wonders. That's concerning, isn't it? Because if we're truly true Christians, Book of Acts Christians, then we're praying for the sick and they're healed. We're driving out demons. We're we're doing what Jesus did. But these counterfeits can do similar things. And I'll show you an example here in a minute. All right, I gave you a pattern. I showed you the blood mood patterns. Remember that? Last week I talked about the Jubilee patterns. I'm giving you this because I want you to know how to discern the times. I'm going to come back to this deception here in a minute. But you remember Jesus rebuked the people of his time because he said, you can tell when it's about to rain. You can can look at the seasons. You know when it's about to be a season change. You can see all this. But he said, you cannot discern the times. And he really rebuked them. I'm showing you some patterns. Last week I showed you the Jubilee pattern. That started in uh, 1517. Which interesting is when Martin Luther split off the Catholic Church. When God moves among the Jewish people, he also moves among the church. I'll hopefully touch on that in a moment. But, and then eight Jubilees later was 1917, when General Allenby took 
the, the land from the Ottoman Empire. 50 years after that was 1967 when the Jews took Jerusalem. And 50 years after that is going to be 2017. I'm just showing you a pattern that this Jubilee year is a very significant thing with God. You need to know that 2017 is a Jubilee year and it's coming. And there's going to be something significant most likely. Now here's another pattern of the Lord. It's called the Shemitah year. And what it is, it's a sabbatical year. In the Bible, every seven years, the Jewish people were supposed to let the land rest. And they didn't do it. And it angered the Lord. And if you read the Old Testament, because they disobeyed the scriptures, they got scattered among the nations. Remember? And one of the things that God rebuked them was, he said, you didn't allow my Sabbath years. And so while I disperse you among the nations, I'm going to give this land rest that it should have had. Did you hear what I said? So God seems to bring a blessing on people under the Old Testament law that honored the sabbatical year and a curse came on those that didn't. Even though this is Old Testament, I do believe there's a pattern. Let me show you. First off, seven is a very significant number in the Bible. It means perfection. There's seven days in creation, seven days in the week, seven years in the tribulation, seven feasts, on and on. The number seven is significant. Now, in 2000 to 2001 was the Shemitah year. What did we see that year? We saw 9-11. In 2007 to 2008 was the Shemitah year. And we saw the Dow drop 777 points, which that's kind of weird that it would be 777. But that was the biggest drop. And from what I can understand, that was the biggest drop ever. I mean, 777 points is a huge drop. And this happened the very day that they celebrated the Shemitah year. Now, I said all that because in 2014 to 2015 is another Shemitah year, another sabbatical year. Remember that. And remember once we get on the other side of that, count off in your mind the next Shemitah year and be thinking about the patterns. See, the, the Lord wants us watching and praying about these patterns. Everything he does is significant. And he doesn't want us to be in the dark. He wants us to know his patterns and how he's doing things so that we can watch and understand what's going on. But you're going to have to keep an eye on it. Oh, now let me shift gears. The signs of the times. We're living in the last days. I'm going to give you the signs. It'd be one thing if it was just one or two. But all of the signs of the times, the Bible predicted all of them, are happening at one time in the day that you live. Now I'm going to show you that. But let me give you something that I think you'll find interesting. Daniel's 70 weeks, he prophesied. Now listen to this. They use, the Bible uses a 360-day calendar. Daniel prophesied there would be 173,880 days between the commandment to rebuild Jerusalem and the king is revealed. Now look at this. In March 14, 445 B.C., this is recorded in Nehemiah chapter 2, 5 through 18. That was the command to rebuild the temple. From March 14, 445 until April the 6th, 32 A.D., was exactly 173,880 days when Jesus came riding in on that colt into Jerusalem and was revealed as king. People have seen this and seen other things in Daniel. 
and they thought that it is so accurate to the day that they they um, have accused Daniel of being written after Jesus came because it's too accurate. Which we know isn't true, but not only that, but since we have found the Dead Sea Scrolls, it's proven that it's not true. Amen? But Daniel was so accurate in his prophecy that it was literally to the day. Isn't that amazing? So let me give you the signs of the times real quick. I'm going to read over this. The Bible says is regarding environment, it says that there would be an increase in earthquakes, pestilences, and famines. It's interesting because in regards to earthquake, earthquakes, we have seen an increase in frequency and an increase of their destruction. Have we not? We've seen pestilences, and I'll get into that. Did you know the Bible talks about that there would be sores on the skin caused by exposure to the sun in Revelation 16, 8, 9, 11? It talks about that. And it, we see now that it seems like the ozone is depleting. And if there's a nuclear exchange of any kind, it could deplete it even more, which would allow dangerous rays to get through and would create those sores. Weather patterns are getting very strange. I encourage you to look it up for yourself. Go on YouTube, look up the Weather Channel, and look up strange weather patterns. And you'll see from the Weather Channel some of the most bizarre, strange things that are going on in the earth. Great catastrophes are occurring. It's like the earth is groaning, as Jesus said, with birth pangs that are taking place preparing for his return. Revelation 8, 5 through 7 speaks of noises, thundering, lightning, earthquakes, hail, and fire. And these are the beginning of such things. It is recorded from 1990 to 1994, this is 10 years ago, that those years displayed a remarkable litany of the highest floods, the longest droughts, and the most severe wildfires, and the worst heat waves ever recorded. And it's gotten worse since then. Regarding famine and pestilences, there's 5 to 20 million people that die a year from starvation right now. Regarding pestilences and plagues, we see AIDS, Ebola, the Hunter virus, West Nile, SARS, H1N1, bird flu, all these different outbreaks of these pandemics that are going out there. And the Bible predicted this, that we would see them before the returning of the Lord. Daniel predict, predicted that knowledge would increase and that people would be traveling to and fro. You cannot go to an airport now and see all these people boarding planes going all over the world all the time. Airports are just so busy. And Daniel predicted that, that people would be traveling to and fro. And it was only about 100 years ago that still people were riding horseback for the most part. But see, Daniel predicted this. And he predicted that knowledge would increase. Before the Industrial Revolution, we traveled by horseback. Now airports are always full. Because of the computer and the internet invention, knowledge is increasing rapidly. It's estimated that our cumulative knowledge is doubling every five years. That's amazing. We can communicate now at the speed of light. We can travel at the speed of sound. We've developed the very atoms and molecules to make synthetic fa fabrics. How could Daniel have predicted this 2,500 years ago? It wasn't even in the realm of somebody's imagination at that time. You understand that? Regarding the coming mark of the beast, the Bible says there would be a mark that people take on their right hand or their forehead, and they would not be able to buy or sell. 
Now think about how extremely difficult it's going to be for people that are Christians that are remaining here during those days that were not raptured. Think about it. They're not going to be able to buy or sell. What are they going to do? How do you put gas in your car if you can't buy or sell? How do you go to the grocery store and get groceries? What are they going to do? They're either going to starve to death or they're going to go live off the land somewhere. But you can't buy or sell without the mark. So Revelation 13, 16 through 17, this is going to be terrible times. But it says, I want you to notice this about the coming mark of the beast. We're living in a generation right now that is fascinated with tattoos and piercings. Isn't it interesting? They're fascinated with marking their body and cutting their body. Computer chips are now able to be implanted. You can take your little dog or cat. They put the little thing in them. They can know wherever they are, you know, and if they get them, they can scan them. It's amazing. But the problem is, is, is this technology is amazing, but it's going to be used in an evil way one day. Hitler and Stalin would have dreamed of the potential of the absolute power and control of an unchecked government that can combine today's technology and controlling people's buying or selling their, you know, their economy. Think about it. Think about regarding communications. The prophecy that the gospel would be preached to the whole world, then the end would come. Well, with the invention of satellites, this is now possible. The whole world will see the two prophets dead in Jerusalem. That was not possible. See, when these prophecies were written thousands of years ago, it was not possible. But now, not only can the gospel go all over the world through technology, but also it says that the whole world will see those two prophets dead in the streets of Jerusalem. How could that happen without television cameras? But we're living in a time now when that is possible for literally the whole world to see two dead prophets in the streets of Jerusalem. The image of the beast. It's interesting that the false prophet will make an idol of the Antichrist and demand its worship. And it says that this statue can speak. Now this could be done through technology or this could be done through the power of the occult. But Catholics for many, many years have had statues that can do supernatural things like bleed and cry and oil comes out of them, etc., etc. And it's done, of course, through demonic spirits. But we're living in a time where this type of thing is on the rise, isn't it? The rise of the false prophet would counterfeit signs and wonders. Someone like a Pope figure would have the ability, now listen to this, to have worldwide respect as a religious leader and merge religions. But not only that, now with technology, he could call down fire in front of the whole world and everybody see it because of technology. How could the prophets have known? How could they have seen a computer age? How could they have seen a mark on your hand that you go to the grocery store and scan like that? How could they have seen that in their generation? It's amazing, isn't it? Nuclear weapons. Great tribulation greater than the world has ever seen. and no one, The Bible says no one would survive it if it wasn't cut short. That's the tribulation period. Now, with nuclear weapons, this is a very real possibility, isn't it? 
Jesus said, unless those days were cut short, even the very elect would not survive. And that the elect in that sense right there in that scripture is talking about the Jewish people. But he said, if the elect, for their sake, those days would be cut short, they would not survive it. But now with nuclear weapons, that's a very real possibility if there's a nuclear exchange. And you know as well as I do, when it comes to prison rules and warfare, if everybody is trying to nuke Israel, what are they going to do? They're going to start hitting every nuke button and there's going to be nukes flying everywhere. In Zechariah 14.12, Zechariah gave an eerie prophecy. And he said that the enemies of Israel that are coming against Israel, that their flesh would dissolve off their body while they're standing up. That their eyes and their tongues would dissolve while they stand on their feet. That's obviously a reference to a nuclear weapon going off. What else could it be? And of course, now with the invention of the ABC weapons that we have with atomic, biological, chemical warfare, you could see how these weapons being used could cause even greater famines, pestilence, and massive death tolls. So my point is, is that we're living in the last days, and I just showed you all these prophecies in the Bible saying, these are what you're going to see in the last days. I just showed you every one of these. And I showed you that they're in your time while you're alive. Isn't that amazing? You're seeing it with your eyes. Let me shift gears and talk about the Antichrist for a moment. The word Antichrist obviously means like opposition to Christ. Obviously that. But there's an underlying meaning in Antichrist. I encourage you to look this up for yourself in the Greek and look at it. But it actually means instead of Christ. That's interesting. Because in other words, what it means is a counterfeit Christ. A counterfeit Messiah. Somebody that comes instead of or in place of Christ. The Antichrist himself is going to emerge like a savior and like some kind of a Messiah figure. And it creeped me out big time when Obama started running for president and you remember people calling him a messiah I would have never thought in a million years that in my lifetime I would hear people in America say that I never thought I would but they did and you can see how people are looking for some kind of messiah they don't want I'm talking about people that don't want Jesus Christ they don't want him but they're looking for some kind of a savior and a messiah instead of Christ and they don't realize it, but they're, they're preparing their own hearts to worship one day the Antichrist. And you know what's scary? Read this for yourself. In the book of Revelation, it says this. It says that they will worship the Antichrist and they will worship the dragon. It says that. Who's the dragon? Satan. It says that the world will worship Satan. Think of a world full of Satan worshipers. Okay, now you're starting to see the end times right there. Okay. Let's keep going. And this is what is concerning me, though, because I want you to hear my heart because I pray for, the Bible says, pray for your president. I do, and I love him in the Lord, and I pray for his salvation. So I'm not attacking him any more than I have other presidents, okay? I'm just telling the truth. But the truth is, I heard him get up and make a statement. Now, you're dealing with a man and maybe he'll hear this, but you're dealing with a man who is the most pro 
um, abortion president we've ever had in our history. Okay, He is also the first president in our history to be pro-homosexuality. Ever. The first. Our previous president, Bush, I mean, he was real big on one man, one woman, bumper stickers, remember? Obama comes in. Y'all know. But Obama comes in. Now he's pro-homosexual man. And not only that, but he seems to be the most anti-Semitic that we've seen. And I say that because he got up in front of the world and made a statement like Israel needs to return to its pre-67 borders. In other words, give up a ton of land and go back to being very vulnerable. No, None of our presidents have ever gone to that extreme about anything. Now, I said all that because he's also been caught in a lot of dishonesty, a lot of lies, hasn't he? Now... This is my point. I want you all to hear me real good, please. I heard him at a speech make a statement that during something like his college years or whatever that he had been introduced to Jesus Christ and he said, and I made Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. He said those words. Now it's interesting that he would say that, basically saying I'm a Christian, but then he's living a life that is very much in opposition to true Christianity. Shedding innocent blood, being a liar. The Bible says all liars, Revelation 21, 8, will have their place in the lake of fire. So he's saying something out of his mouth, but he's living a complete opposite life to what he's professing. It, that's major deception, friend. Now, why am I even bringing that up? Because him, along with many others, are helping to prepare the way for the Antichrist. Because people are beginning in mass to accept a counterfeit Christianity, which will embrace a counterfeit Jesus Christ, a counterfeit Messiah. Do y'all see this? All right. True Christianity lives the life Jesus Christ laid out, doesn't it? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. A true Christian will repent of their sin and quit living in sin. Okay. They're not going to be liars. They're not going to be all these things. But what you're seeing in society is there's a counterfeit Christianity that is being embraced. And these people are not born again. They don't know the Lord. Are y'all hearing me? It's a false Christianity. It's a hybrid. All right. This is preparing the way for the rise of the Antichrist. All right. Let me give you some things about the Antichrist. He will be, be accepted by the Jews. John 5.43, Jesus said, You didn't accept me, but you'll accept another that comes. You didn't accept me when I came in my name, but you'll accept another that comes in his name. And he was talking about the Antichrist. But in the Greek, it implies another Jew. The Apostle Paul called him the man of sin. The reason I bring that up is because he's not going to be a computer. He's actually going to be a man, a physical man. Okay. He will probably be of Jewish descent. Probably. But he will rule the world. Ezekiel 21, 25-27 talks about remove the diadem and the crown thou profane wicked prince of Israel when iniquity will have an end. But Daniel says the Antichrist it's like transgressors, transgressors come to their full the fullness of sin the culmination of all things. But it refers to him as a prince that would not regard the God of his fathers. And that, and that seems to indicate that he'll be Jewish. But I'm just putting that out there. 
I'm going to give you some things just to think about and move off of it real quick. I'm not being emphatic because I don't know everything about the end times and you don't know it. Really, nobody knows everything. We see the Bible says in Corinthians that when you're dealing with prophecy, it says that you see in part and you prophesy in part that you're like looking through a glass dimly. Remember that? So when we look at this stuff, we get an idea, but you don't know every little detail. You start seeing it unfold. You start understanding it more as the time goes. So I'm just giving you some things. Some people believe, and I I don't believe this, but some people believe that actually um, Judas, it says that he was, whenever he died, he was sent to his place. And some people believe that the Antichrist will actually be Judas. I don't believe that he will. But when you look at the life of Judas, you see some parallels. See, when you look at the life of Moses, Joseph, and King David, you see parallels from their life to Jesus Christ, don't you? When you look at the life of Judas, you do see some parallels between him and the Antichrist. That's what I think that that represents. But if you look, it's an interesting study. But another thing about the Antichrist, he's going to be like the son of Satan, so to speak. Now, here's what some people believe. I'm just putting it out there. Some people believe that he will literally be like a son of Satan. Um, now before you write that off I want you to think about this in Genesis chapter 6 this is in your Bible write it down and look it up if you've never heard about the Nephilim I want you to look it up for yourself before you you know, write me off it's in the Bible and when you read it you'll go oh it really is Yeah. alright go look it up for yourself but in Genesis chapter 6 it says that these fallen angels came down and had sex with women and produced the Nephilim Okay, that's in the Bible Now, it's interesting because the world became polluted with that Nephilim garbage. And as a result of that, it says that man's thoughts were always on evil, continually. That they were violent. I'm sure, it doesn't say this, but I'm sure that there was witchcraft and occult practices everywhere. But these were very evil times. And it says that Noah was blameless in his generation. But when you read the Hebrew, that means that his bloodline did not have that Nephilim in it. That's what it actually means. His bloodline was pure. So what God did was he flooded the earth and wiped out this this race and pulled Noah out. But in Genesis chapter 6, it says, in those days and also afterwards. Now that's, that's an, you know, sometimes you read over something, but those few little words there and also afterwards, that's pretty creepy, isn't it? Because then you read and also afterwards, and then you read about things like the children of Israel going into Canaan, which you've got to understand, Canaan was full, I mean full of people that practiced witchcraft. It was hardcore. Satan worship, they had human sacrifice. I mean, it was very dark. And so it doesn't surprise me that there's Nephilim there. And the children of Israel going with Joshua and all them, and, and they had sent, Moses had sent the spies, and what did they come back saying? They would come back saying, there's giants in this land, man. What are you thinking? <laughs> and, um, so, and then you read things about King David facing Goliath and his crazy brothers. All of them were giants, okay? So, and then you look at crazy mythology. Where did they come up with some of this mythology that you read about in Greek mythology and Norse mythology about these things coming down? And it's just weird. So, I said all that to make this point that there are people that do believe that Satan will impregnate a Jewish woman and bring the Antichrist. I don't know if that will happen or not. I'm just saying that's what some people believe. 
But I will say this about the Antichrist. He's not going to be some guy that's just walking down the street one day. And all of a sudden it just falls upon him that you're going to be the Antichrist. (laughs) Poor guy. He was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, it's just... That's not going to happen. Okay? The Antichrist will be born for that purpose. You understand that? When he comes out of the womb, he's marked, he's born for that purpose. He will be carefully trained throughout his childhood and reared up with some very dark, evil people to prepare him for that destiny. Okay? It's not something that's just going to randomly happen one day. It's something that's in the works. Alright, so whether you want to believe that it's Judas you know, coming back or if, if Satan impregnates somebody or whatever... However you want to believe it. But nonetheless, bottom line is, he's an evil guy. And um, he's going to fully serve Satan in every way. And Jesus will come and throw him alive in the lake of fire. Amen. Yeah. All right. He's called the beast. He is the Antichrist, the son of perdition and the man of sin. But see, I encourage you, if you want to know about the Antichrist, in today's technology, you can do this pretty easy. Do a study on Hitler. Look it up where you can maybe look it up on the History Channel or something and and record it and watch his rise to power. Because Hitler, when he came to power, he claimed to be a Christian. He was for Germany, the nicest guy. Everybody liked him. He was a little weird. I mean, he had his little personal military, the brown shirts. What is that about? But anyway, everybody liked him and he rose to power. But once he came to power, then his true colors came out and he became this beast. And he began to, you know, we know about the Holocaust. So, it's going to be like that with the Antichrist. He's going to rise to power, saying all the right things, seem like a man of peace. He's bringing world peace. Everybody likes him. He's just the nicest guy. He's so brilliant. You know, and all these things about him. But when he gets into full power, he's going to be a monster that's going to be unleashed. Okay? All right. The Lamb of God seems, you know, the Lamb is a harmless, but the beast is ferocious. The Lamb is pure, but the beast is wicked. The little horn. Daniel called him the little horn. Horn speaks of power. Because in the last days, there's going to be ten. If you can remember this, I'm hoping I'm not losing anybody. But there's going to be ten major provinces in the earth that the Antichrist will rule over the whole world. Somehow he's going to break it up into ten major categories. Okay? Those are the ten horns. But it shows this little horn coming up that spoke blasphemous things, and that's the Antichrist. So, you remember Daniel's vision of, uh, I'm sorry, Nebuchadnezzar's vision of the statue, and Daniel had to interpret it? What was the last kingdom? The ten toes, partly clay, partly iron, right? Those were also the ten provinces. Do you see? The ten horns and the ten toes are the same thing. It's the ten provinces that the Antichrist will rule over. A couple more things about the Antichrist, and I'm going to move into something else. But he will be an oratorical master, like Hitler. Do you remember how Hitler could sit there? And he and people by the hundreds of thousands were literally spellbound and captivated by this man's charisma and his oratorical ability. The Antichrist will have the ability to be able to captivate people through speeches. He's going to be an oratorical genius. 
It says that he has a mouth that spoke great things. He's a master of words, a master manipulator. He wants to be like Christ. He will also be a political genius. Hitler was a picture and type of this as well. It says that he will take the kingdom by flattery. You know what that is? He knows how to play politics. Daniel 8.25, he's going to have economic brilliance. The Bible says he will cause craft to prosper in his hand. He will be very brilliant with the economy. At this point in time, it's going to move into a one world economy. I don't know that I fully understand this, but the mark of the beast is a mark, the name of the beast, and the number of his name. It's three different things. Do a study on that. It's interesting. All right, he's going to have military prowess. He's going to be greater than Alexander the Great, and he'll mock the true Messiah. The Bible talks about him making nations tremble. He's going to be a governmental genius. The Bible talks about him um, being in a place of great power and ruling these governments. The Antichrist will set himself up in the temple declaring himself to be God. This is when things turn ugly. For the first three and a half years of the tribulation period, he's going to look like a man of peace. He's brought world peace. It's going to look very good for the Jews. But three and a half years in, he's going to be extremely evil and he's going to set himself in that temple. He's going to declare himself to be God and demand that they worship him. And the Jewish people are going to be outraged and they're going to riot. Okay. This is going to make the Antichrist angry, and this is where he turns into another Hitler. And he's going to release his military to slaughter as many Jews as they possibly can. And they're going to, the Jews are going to run. You remember when Jesus said, if you're on the rooftop, don't go down and get something. Just take off running. Pray that your flight will be, uh, won't be in winter. Pray that, it, you, you know, that people, woe to those that are nursing babes. And they talk about, that's what he's talking about. He's saying, when the Antichrist releases this against you, you better just take off running. If you read the Bible, God supernaturally spares many of them. But it's going to be a terrible time for the Jewish people. And many of them will lose their life. Alright, the image of the beast will be a powerful, powerful and it will draw worship. It's already talked about. The reign of the Antichrist will be so bad that Jesus said unless it was cut short, nobody would survive. Once the Antichrist turns on Israel, his days are numbered. The Bible refers to the Antichrist several times, 14 times as the Assyrian. That's interesting. And by the end of the tribulation, there's only going to be about one-third of the Jews that actually survive all of that. Isn't that something? I want you to think about this. Right now we have, what, 7 billion people on the planet? You understand the rapture is going to pull out a lot of people that are true. And then you've got all these plagues that are coming. And people are dying. I mean, when you got the, the water turned to blood... You can only live three days without water. And you've got all the wars, you've got the famines, you've got the pestilences, people getting sick in mass number. And then you've got um, all the slaughtering that's going on of people that profess Christianity. So by the end of the whole thing, when Jesus comes back to the earth and his glorious appearing and his feet touch the Mount of Olives, there's only a third of the Jewish people still alive. But the death toll in the world would have brought down the numbers where there's going to be a lot less people here on the planet than there was when it first started. All right. 
And then the Antichrist and the false prophet will be destroyed at Jesus' coming. Now I'm going to shift gears and start moving toward a close. I want to talk to you about the Marian apparitions. Now this is just weird, so please give me your complete best attention and get everything out of this that you can because this is going on and most of you probably didn't know it. And now you're going to see why I'm concerned and I'm telling you to test everything by the Spirit and test everything by the Word. All right, in Jeremiah 44, 19, it says that this woman said to Jeremiah, We burn incense to the Queen of Heaven and poured out drink offerings to her. Did not our husbands know what we were making cakes and impressed with her image and poured out drink offerings to her? And Jeremiah was rebuking these people. What is your problem? Because they had already gone into captivity at this point, I believe. And he was rebuking them, and they're still worshiping the Queen of Heaven. Rosette, can you bring me down a little bit in this mic? They're still worshiping the Queen of Heaven. So who is this Queen of Heaven? Revelation 13, 7. I, want, I mean, sorry, 17, 3. I want you to watch this. You remember this scripture? It talked about the woman that was riding the scarlet beast. All right, let me read it to you. He carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. Now there's those ten horns. All right. The woman was clothed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a cup full of abominations and unclean things of her immorality. And on her forehead was the name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of, of the witnesses of Jesus. When I saw her, I wondered greatly, and the angel said to me, Why do you wonder? I tell you, the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which is the seven heads and the ten horns. I don't have time to get into all that, but look at 18.7 says, This spirit said, I sit as a queen, and I am not a widow, and will never see mourning. What does she say? I sit as a queen. That's interesting, isn't it? So this spirit that I believe it's, it does have something to do with the Jezebel spirit, but there's more to it than that. This spirit that John saw was like the queen of heaven. I'm going somewhere with this. All over the world, let me read you these facts. 15 to 20 million people a year visit a shrine to Mary in Guadalupe, Mexico alone. Think about how many people that is. Just for a moment. Don't just fly through that real quick. Think about 15 to 20 million people that go to one shrine of Mary in Guadalupe, Mexico every year. Not every decade, every year. That apparition appeared in 1521. There's people that are having these apparitions appear to them and talk to them. But anyway, I'll get it more into that. In Bosnia, Medjugorje, thousands claim to hear Mary's voice. They receive miracles, and there are actually miracles that are happening. There's healings that are taking places. These Mary appearances are literally taking place all over the world. Now look at this. Newsweek in 1997 reported, this is what they said, and I quote, in many ways, the 20th century has belonged to Mary. From almost every continent, visionaries have reported more than 400 apparitions of the Virgin. More than in the previous three centuries combined, taken together, these visions point to what the Marian movement believes is a millennial age of Mary. Now, that's just weird. But think about Newsweek reported that there were over 400 visions of an apparition 
that was claiming to be the Virgin Mary. And there are signs and wonders and miracles that are happening at these shrines. And so people are going by the millions to these places to worship Mary in hoping to be healed or to have some vision. And I looked into this, I did some research, and I saw some of the people that are worshiping there. They're going into trances, um, speaking in what seems to be maybe counterfeit tongues, even though tongues are real, you know, according to the Bible, but there's a counterfeit. And they're having supernatural experiences there, and it, they really are. Satan is a great deceiver, isn't he? A counterfeiter. In Lord's France, Mary claimed, now li- listen to this, Mary claimed that when, when this spirit, now this is not actually Mary, let's just make that real clear. Mary, let me clear this up real quick. Mary, I'm sure, was a beautiful, wonderful person. And we're going to meet her one day in heaven. Okay? But when she was born, just like the rest of us, she was born as, as a descendant of Adam, she was born with a sinful nature. The woman was not perfect. That means in her lifetime, she did sin some. Okay, I'm sure that she was probably better than me and you, but I'm just saying, nonetheless, she sinned, okay? She was not perfect. She needed a Savior just like we do, okay? And the weird thing is that in Catholicism, whenever you see this, you're always seeing the, the Virgin Mary portrayed, and she'll have, like, baby Jesus. What is that sending a message right there that she's superior to him? You see in that? You also always see her down at the foot of the cross holding a dead Jesus over him in a position of him being weak and defeated and her not being weak. You see what I'm saying? All right. So let me just keep reading these facts and I'm going to explain it here in a moment. But in Lord's France, this spirit that claims to be Mary, it's not Mary, it's a demonic fallen angel manifestation that's appearing to people, okay, claims to be immaculate in her conception. What does that mean? That means she claims to be born without sin. Now, who was born without sin? Was there anybody else born without sin? No. All right. People come to this site, listen to this, to drink from the spring and, and receive healing, see visions, and worship Mary, and they are experiencing some supernatural things. That's why they keep coming. If nothing was going on, people aren't stupid. There is stuff going on. All right, in Poland, there was a shrine to Mary drawing five million people a year to worship the Queen of Heaven. It's a black Madonna there, and it was honored by Pope John Paul. Pope John Paul was very in favor of these apparitions. And um, he went to all, during his tenure, he went to every site. So the Pope has had a history with advocating this. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm building with this gradually, okay? The Catholic Church has embraced this as being legitimate and from God. And the Pope has put his, his stamp on these actually being of God. Okay? The 
because of the healings, the signs, the wonders, and the, and I put big quotes around the positive fruit that they claim to see, people are being drawn by the masses, even some Protestants and Protestant ministers are starting to believe in these apparitions. In the documentary that I looked at, there was somebody that was a Methodist preacher that now is all caught up in this Marian movement. Let me finish. The Virgin Mary, in big quotes there because it's not, that is appearing to people states that her immaculate, sinless, immaculate heart would prevail and ultimately bring what? World peace. This is obviously not Mary but a fallen angel. But isn't it interesting that she's all about bringing world peace? What does that sound like? Preparing the way for the Antichrist, doesn't it? The Bible tells us to test the spirits that claim to be from God. She states some things that sound really good at first. This is why I'm talking about a mixture. And I'm, I'm concerned about some of the prophetic circles, some of the revival circles, some of the different places that there's a mixture. Because if you look at this, she says some things that sound really good. She tells people to read their Bible and to pray and things that sound good. Go to church. But let me give you some other things that she's stating here in just a moment. Now listen to this. The Pope John Paul wrote a book, and in his book, and I quote, he said this, on a universal level, if victory comes, it will be brought through Mary. Christ will conquer through her because he wants the church's victories now and in the future to be linked to her. Isn't that weird? Once again, you see him putting Mary way up here and Jesus down here. So even though Mary says some of these, this spirit, the queen of heaven, is saying some of these positive things, let me show you just a couple quick things she's also saying that's weird. She says, she said, and I quote, in one of her apparitions where she appeared to somebody, she said, I am the mediatrix between you and God. Now who is the mediator between God and man? Jesus Christ. So see, you can't go by experience. These people go there and they're crying, there's tears coming down their face, they're shaking under a power that they're feeling, they're seeing an apparition, it's saying nice things to them, and they, they feel loved, and they, they're having this experience, and to them this experience is awesome, and then they see this person over here to their right that had a cancerous tumor that now it's gone, there's a healing, and, and they see these other supernatural things going on, and you can't just go with that. Because if you were just to go with that, then you would accept this just like a lot of people are. But Mary, or whatever this spirit is, this queen of heaven, is not a mediator between God and man. Jesus is. And the only way you're going to know that is by knowing the Bible. And she said again, the world is degenerating. Well, we all know that. That doesn't take an apparition. All right, And it says it was necessary, she said, it was necessary for the Father and Son to send me into the world to be their advocate and to save the world. What? Okay, who's the advocate between us and the Father? First John. First John says that we know that we have an advocate with the Father. Right? That's Jesus. It's not her. And did she come to save the world? No. Jesus came to save the world. All right. And then she also said this, I call upon you to open yourselves completely to me. I don't think so. So that through you, I can convert and save the world. Listen to what she said. I alone am able to save you from the calamities that are approaching. Those who place their confidence in me will be saved. In this time, I'm an ark 
for all you brethren. I, she said, I am an ark of salvation and peace. The ark, the children must enter if they wish to live in the kingdom of God. There's so much wrong with that. I probably don't even, I probably don't even need to go into that. Anybody that even knows a little bit about the Bible knows she's not a savior. She's not a protector and all that. All right. Now here's some other weird things. She claims to be omnipresent, stating that her immaculate heart will be ever present with her followers wherever they go. Now that's bizarre because from what I understand, only God is ever present, okay? And she's not God. She claims to be a co-redemptrix. That those are her words. And this teaching is that she's a co-redeemer. Christ and her together co-redeeming humanity. Okay, that goes directly against the Bible, which clearly says Jesus is our only source of salvation. A couple other things. She claims to be the door to heaven. Yeah. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through what door? Jesus Christ. All right, she, now this should be a big, big red flag, and I mean a big one flowing in the wind, you know. But she demands that statues and shrines be made of her and worshipped. Okay, that should tell people right there since you start in the Torah, you know, the first uh, five books of the Bible and then you go to Genesis and I'm sorry, to Revelation, and you see that God hates idolatry. That should be a big, big red flag, shouldn't it? And again, like I said, she appears many times to people holding a baby Jesus, which is weird. But here, listen, Jesus is full grown. I'm just saying, Jesus is full grown. <laughs> he didn't shrink back down, so I don't know why she thinks everybody's going to believe that. All right, anyway, so, but her messages are pushing a one world religion. Did y'all hear me? And what concerns me is you have a pope that's advocating this stuff, and you have. The, the Roman Catholic Church, the Vatican endorsing this stuff, and you've got people I mean by the millions that are being swept into this deception and it seems to indicate in Revelation chapter 17 that there would be this this whore that's riding on a beast and, and that people would worship this and it, yeah, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? Alright, here's the last couple things and I close, but globalization. The Bible does talk about a one-world currency, a one-world religion, and a one-world government, and things are moving that way. How many can see that right now? You can see it's all moving that direction. For the first time in our history, we even have a president that seems to be moving that direction. America's never been caught up with that in, in past generations at all. All right. But Revelation 13, 7 says it was... Now listen to this. It says that the Antichrist was... It was given him to make war against the saints... And this is especially during the tribulation time. It's really what this is talking about. And to overcome them, an authority over every tribe, people, tongue, and nation was given to him. Now, that's what the Bible says. Everybody say, that's what the Bible says. All right. So when do you hear people that are saying the opposite of that, do you listen to them or do you listen to the Bible? Okay, because there are people on Christian TV that talk opposite of this. All right, so let me show you some things. Luke 4, 5. Satan, when he was tempting Jesus... He took him up and showed him the kingdoms of the world at one time. And the devil said to Jesus, I will give you all this domain, all these kingdoms, all of its glory. It was handed to me and I can give it to whoever I wish. 
Therefore, if you worship me, I'll give it to you. And Jesus rebuked him because he knows the word. And he quoted the Bible and said, you'll worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He quoted the scriptures at him. But I want you to see that Satan was given the kingdoms of this world by Adam. And it's not going to be turned over to Jesus until he comes. Is everybody getting that? I want you to please get that. The Bible says in Revelation, it talks about then the kingdoms of this world will be given over to Christ. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and Christ. But until that time, they belong under the jurisdiction of Satan until Adam's lease runs out. Adam gave them to him. The scripture shows that. And Jesus, when he comes, will take over. But until then, it's permitted. And we are to be here as the kingdom of God. But what concerns me is that there's people that have a mentality that we're supposed to be taking over the kingdoms of this world. And blending, and this is very popular teaching, and blending the body of Christ, the church, into secular governments and then becoming one. There's, there's so many things wrong with that. But first off, let's just look at history. Did that work good for the Catholic Church? That did lead into the Dark Ages. Thank you. In the back. There's nothing good that came from that. Because, listen, we are of a kingdom that is not of this world. Okay, Jesus' kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. And it's got to be separate. I had a guy get really irritated with me because I wouldn't let my church be a place where people come and they, it's promoting certain presidential candidates and having people sign up and having the signs and everything. And I was like, I'm not doing that. This is a church. It's holy, okay? It's, it's not caught, I'm not getting that caught up in that stuff. I pray about it. I believe God uses people out there. I really do. But I'm not making my church something that's holy, that's of the kingdom of God, becoming something like that. That's not what it's about. Pope John Paul, during his reign, he called 135 world religious leaders to come together and pray for world peace during his tenure. Among them were spiritists, witch doctors, shamans, Buddhists, Hindus, and many others. You see that the Pope is trying to bring religions together to pray what for world peace? The ten toes of Daniel's statue, iron and clay mixed. You're going to see the kingdoms of this world progressively getting worse and falling to pieces. Their, their economies are going to fall to pieces. And what's happening is, is that all of that is, is preparing the way for the Antichrist to come over it and be the one that brings the solution, if you will, under his reign. That's what the Bible says will happen. The world is not getting better. I've heard some people teach the world is getting better. And I laughed out loud when I heard Perry Stone say, if the world's getting better, I'd hate to see it if it's getting worse. (laughs) The world is not getting better because it's preparing for these end-time prophecies. That's why I've, I've said this many times. That's why you're seeing America come down as the superpower and you're seeing Russia come up in a lot of ways because the Bible talks about the Gog War and that's Russia. Okay? So you're seeing all this happen in your generation before your very eyes. All of these, I want you to stop and think about it. All these prophecies, prophetic things that I've, ta- I've showed you in this, you're seeing things that prophets saw thousands of years ago in the spirit and you're seeing them with your natural eye on your television and computer screen now. 
Has it really sunk in? How many in the body of Christ are oblivious to this? When Jesus comes, he's going to be a stone cut out of the mountain. And that represents him coming from heaven. He's going to come down and hit the bottom of that statue where those ten toes are. And that whole statue is going to come crumbling down. When Jesus comes, he's coming to take over. Now, this is important because I said all this and gave you this because of this reason. The world is moving toward this globalization, this one world government. Now, follow me. You've got the New Agers and all those that are into the weird spiritual movements, many of them, that, listen, they don't believe in heaven and hell anymore. They believe that we're going to create heaven on earth. They, they do believe this. They believe that um, the world is going to come together in world peace and we're going to have like a heaven on earth. Okay. Now you've got teachers in the body of Christ that is basically starting to move that same direction in their teaching. The Bible talks about false prophets, false teachers. But they're talking about how the, the church is going to be taking over the world and preparing for Christ's coming. That is not what the Bible says. That's flat wrong. Okay? And they don't mean to. Probably some of them might be sincere, some not. I don't know. But they are teaching in a way that is helping this deception along. I'll tell you what Jesus is looking for right now. He's looking for a remnant of people that will come out from among her, my people, and be separate and be holy. That's what Jesus is looking for. He's not looking for people that are going to come into this system. He's looking for people to come out of the system. And I know that people think that, that they're going to go into the governments of the world and take over the governments of the world and well, listen, John Alexander Dowie was a, an apostle. And he made the mistake of trying to be a secular governor, mayor type person and to use his apostolic authority in the secular realm. And it was a catastrophe for him. Okay? And I'm telling you, that that is not the way this thing works. You're not going to be an apostle, therefore, because you're an apostle, now you're going to be the president. I'm serious. I think some people believe these things. We're not here to to take over the governments and move them into alignment with what Jesus, you know. That's his job. When he comes, he's going to do that. We're here to win souls. We're here to see revival. We're here to see the kingdom of God, which is a spiritual kingdom, come in power and change lives spiritually. Not trying to change the economics of the world. And these people are frustrated. Because they think that they're taking over and it's not working out for them real good. And you better be careful who you're listening to because there's people that don't know what they're talking about. The reason I'm preaching on this is because I sincerely don't want people to be deceived in these last days. That's my heart. Alright, so let me close this out. Does that make sense though? The, the world is moving toward globalization. And I'm telling you, don't listen to preachers that are trying to move you into globalization. Don't listen to preachers that are trying to get you to join with Hindus and Muslims and shamans and, and Buddhists and, and for the sake of world peace that we all come together and all that. That is the false prophet. That's not of God. That's a false prophet spirit. 
And don't listen to these preachers that are trying to tell you that we are going to take over. Because the Bible says the Antichrist will be permitted to have his reign for a time over the world. They're just wrong. And what we need to be doing, instead of preaching false doctrine and getting everybody confused, what we need to be doing is preparing a bride for Jesus' coming. And we need to be out there winning as many souls as we can see him revival. All right. This is how I want to close this out. So in the world, you're seeing some very bizarre things. And I wrote these down so that you can look into them for yourself. What in the world is going on with these crop circles? That's just weird, man. Okay, and then you've got weird weather patterns. You've got crazy noises that are happening and nobody knows what they are. Look it up. You can hear it for yourself and you hear it and go, that is a creepy sound. And nobody knows what it is. What is that? And you've got tons of fish washing up on shore for no reason. Nobody knows. Thousands of birds dropping dead for no reason. Unexplained, unseasonal, weird weather patterns. You've got, listen to this one, sinkholes appearing out of nowhere. And all of a sudden you'll see somebody's house just down in a sinkhole. It's like, where did that come from? You know, I mean, it's just weird. I'm telling you, there's, listen, there's bizarre, weird things going on in the world. Sounds people claim from the center of the earth that are creepy. Well, if they are, it's hell and you know it's going to be all kinds of creepy. And then you've got (laughs) UFO sightings, which are strange signs in the heavens. You've got angels of light appearing to people. And the Bible very clearly says that they would be deceiving spirits in doctrines of demons, and you've got like this this queen of heaven spirit appearing to people claiming to be Mary. You've got, listen to this one, cattle mutilations. Now, the thing about that is, look it up for yourself, it's just weird. You've got a dead cow with no blood in it. You've got no, um, the grass around it won't grow, no footprints, um, and there's weird spikes in radioactivity, and nobody knows how it died or what happened. What is that about? What's going on? You've got possibly mystery codes in the Bible surfacing. Do any of you guys believe in that? I mean, I'm just wondering. You don't believe in it? Well, let me say this. I don't, I don't know because I haven't looked into it. But is God big enough to do it? That's the thing. You know, I don't know. And then you've got all this weird paranormal activity and people fascinated with the paranormal, which is part of the problem, I think, in the body of Christ. You've got people that are too fascinated with supernatural things, and it's weird. And then you've got implants now being put in animals, etc. Just it's just weird, isn't it? There's just a lot of weird stuff going on. And you know, a lot of it is demonic, just like these UFO sightings. I believe that people have experienced something, but it's demonic. It's weird. It's not, you know. All right. Look into this stuff so you can be aware of some of the strange, bizarre things that are going on. And there's going to be people that are coming into churches that are looking for help because they had some weird paranormal experience and they're going to be coming into church and now they want to be delivered from something and we need to be able to help them they say i want to close how do you how do we bless israel how do we treat israel in these last days jesus said when the son of man comes in all of his glory and all the angels with him he will sit on his glorious throne all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates sheep from goats he'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left the king will say to those on the right, these are the sheep, come in, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom, prepare for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we do these things? 
and he'll say, um, you did it when you did it to the least of these, okay? And then it goes on to the goats, and he says the same things except in reverse. He says, I was sick, and you did not visit me. You did not come visit me in prison. You didn't do these things. He said, when did we do these? And this passage is talking about Israel. And it's talking about the way people treat the Jewish people. It is. And so you got to understand something. Sheep and goat nations right now are being determined. When Jesus comes back and he reigns from Jerusalem, he's going to gather the nations unto himself. And this is a judgment a lot of people don't know a lot about. But Jesus Christ is going to judge the nations based on how those nations treated Israel. That's interesting, isn't it? And it says here, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do this to the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these goats will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So eternal punishment's hell. But this is very serious. So how we treat Israel is significant, okay? It's, it's, it's significant among the nations. It really is. Because see, the true Christians are going to be brought to Jesus, but these are when he comes, these are the people that are still here. Does that make sense? Okay, let me explain it this way. The Christians have been raptured. The Christians have been martyred. The Christians are gathered unto him. He sent out his angels. He gathered the Christians. This is not the judgment seat of Christ that we go through. This is when he comes in all of his glory, and there's all these people that are still alive on planet Earth. He's going to gather them, and he's going to judge the nations based on how they treated Israel. Okay, it's a different judgment. When you and I die, we stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ, called the Bama seat, and you're judged based on your works. Then Jesus comes, he's going to judge the nations, and then at the end of the thousand-year reign, those that are in hell are going to be brought up, and they're going to go through the white throne judgment. That judgment is basically the books are open and explaining to them why they're not going to be in heaven, and then they're going to be thrown into a lake of fire. So there's different judgments here. All right. So here's a couple quick things. We are to bless Israel spiritually and in practical ways. You remember the centurion Jesus said had great faith? Did you know that that centurion obviously did have great faith? But did you know that whenever um, uh, the people were sent to Jesus and said this centurion has a sick servant, read this. There were Jewish people there that were urging Jesus. Read this in Luke 7, 5. They were urging Jesus saying, listen, this is a good man. He built us a synagogue. And Jesus got up and went to his house. And on his way there, the centurion sent a servant out to Jesus said, Sir, I'm not worthy for you to come in my house. Just speak the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus did it. But part of the motivation behind this was that this man was somebody that blessed Israel. He built him a synagogue. He blessed him in a practical way. Does anybody see that? So the way that we bless Israel... Also, we're commanded to pray for Israel and be watchmen on the walls. And I give you down here effective scriptural prayers for Israel. But this is what I want to close with. Number one is how you and I are treating Israel. And as we enter into a new season spiritually, I want you to consider maybe blessing Israel in a practical financial way that's not going to go into River of Life. Put on it, this goes to Israel. It will go through us to uh, bless the nation of Israel. But one of the areas I love to give our finances into there's um, Operation Blessing has this called Holocaust Survivors, and they minister to the elderly that are sick, that are poor, they have bad health, and they've been hurting, and they were Holocaust survivors in Israel. And they go there, and they bless them, they take care of them, they, they feed them, they minister to them. And we've, we've put quite a bit of money into that. 
And I want you to consider as we're going into a new spiritual season, okay, and we're leaving out of here and we're going to go into a new place, just consider and pray about maybe sowing something financially that in a practical way like the centurion, you're like, Lord, when I stand before you, I want you to say you're blessed of the Lord what you did to the least of these in Israel, these little survivors of the Holocaust that were poor, what you did to the least of these you did to me. Amen? Just consider that in the days to come, but make sure you mark it to that. That way it will go to that. But this is the last thing. Jude 1, well, there's only one chapter in Jude, okay? Jude verse 3, okay? That's the way it was written. I copy and pasted it, so get the guy that, all right. I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. That's my message. Let me reiterate this again. I hope that you hear the love of a pastor's heart crying out saying that I love people enough to warn them that not everything out there is of God. Not every supernatural thing going on is of God. Not every person that says they're a prophet is a true prophet of God, even though there are true prophets. Not every person out there that's teaching and it sounds really good, what they're saying is really the word. Not all of it is. And I'm telling you, what am I I been telling you this whole time? Know the Bible for yourself. Learn to pray for yourself. Get to know the Holy Spirit for yourself. So then days to come, you're not going to be deceived. But it's interesting because I find myself as a preacher having to get up here and say something like this. Um, I found it necessary to preach to you, exhorting you to contend for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. I'm saying that you're living in a time where you're going to have to contend for the faith. You're going to have to dig down some roots and contend for this faith. Because there is doctrines that go against every basic fundamental teaching in Christianity right now being taught in the body of Christ. Even down to the point of saying there's many ways to heaven other than Jesus. I mean everything. The redemptive work of Christ. Healing. I'll get into it next week, but there's teaching that's been in the body of Christ against healing. That it died out with the early church. There's teaching against the deliverance ministry. There's teachings against the baptism in the Holy Spirit. If we ever needed the baptism in the Holy Spirit ever in church history, we need it in these last days. And you've got people that don't want it. And they teach people it's of the devil. The rapture of the church, preparing a bride. You've got people going against that. The resurrection of the saved and lost. One to everlasting life, another to everlasting damnation. Now you've got people that don't believe in heaven or hell. The kingdom to come. Instead of believing in Jesus' kingdom to come, they believe that we're going to create heaven on earth, our own kingdom. You see what I'm saying? Everything that is the basic, fundamental truths in Christianity, there's mainstream, and it's pretty widespread doctrines that go against it. And I'm telling you, you better know the word and stick, stick with the word no matter what. If you have a supernatural experience, that's wonderful. I have. Many of you have. I, love, I believe in dreams and visions. I believe that, that God touches people in an awesome way. And tonight, many people are going to get hit by the power. I believe on all that. I believe in, in healings and miracles, signs and wonders. It's all in the Bible. It's Book of Acts Christianity. We've got to have it. But not everything out there is of God. Just like that Marian stuff I was talking about. Do you know that there's oil coming out of the, some of those things? And people are going there and they're getting that oil and rubbing it on them. Did you know that there's people that have taken rosaries that were silver and, and touched it and it turned to gold? I'm just telling you, there's supernatural paranormal experiences going on in these places and it's counterfeit. And it's drawing people in because it's a demonic manifestation and it's a counterfeit. All right, has this helped you guys tonight? 
the warning of the the Antichrist, and he's going to come as a man of peace. He's going to come preaching world peace. And there's people right now that are helping to prepare his way. He's going to be a counterfeit Messiah. And there's a counterfeit Christianity in the earth right now that's preparing his coming. And this move toward globalism is dangerous. All right, so I want to pray, pray for people tonight that want prayer.